Alright guys, welcome back to the VHS Podcast, that stands for Visuals Hypnotized Society. This is the premiere of Season 2. I'm Sun. I'm Curtis. Yep. And we are here with also... Armando. Yep, that's him. So, if you guys don't know, on this podcast we talk about all things visual and creative, whether it comes from film, photos, movies, design, design, or even audio, music, you Mm -hmm. name it, we talk about it and we bring in people to talk about it with us. So today we're discussing producing with Armando here, who has been a good friend of mine for a while and a producer as well. Armando, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so I went to school with you, obviously. That's yeah. how we know each other. Um, Curtis, we're just meeting today. Yeah, I'm just saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a producer. That's my, my main focus, what I've been working on. Um, that was my concentration in school. Um, I'm just a huge film nerd. I'm super into sci-fi and horror. Um, yeah, I, I just, I like movies. I'm passionate about helping people tell their stories. Cool. Nice. You want to move into the first set of questions we got here? Yeah. Um, I've seen your IMDb. Um, just did a little bit of research. (laughs) Good looking guy. I was like, damn, it's a handsome guy. (laughs) Um, no, but I saw that you've worked for um, the IMAX internship. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that and what you did? Sure. Um, so I was lucky enough to, to intern at IMAX um, my senior year in college. And uh, that was actually a post-production internship. Mm. It wasn't in producing, okay. um, but it was another love of mine. I'm, I'm also a big computer nerd. So whenever it comes to anything involving film and tech, uh, that's all me. And so naturally, uh, IMAX is one of those places. Mm. And so... Uh, Nailed that internship, and I mean, if you know anything about IMAX, they're like they're cutting edge technology and in, in film and the way that people see it, the way that people hear it, and experience film, and it's a whole another level. Um, so yeah, that was that was my thing there. I got to work on quite a few uh, big projects, stuff that you know dreams are made of. Uh, got <laughs> to work with some awesome people, um, but yeah, I was really lucky. Cool, nice, cool, and um, you got to work on some films that like back in the day, like. When you released like Star Wars, Dunkirk, I thought you had all the cool T-shirts and gear when you brought to school. I was like, where the hell do you get that? <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, they they take care of their people, and sometimes when you work on their films, they give you a cool hat or or something to remember it by. Nice, yeah, cool. See a little swag. With it. <laughs> so I want to move more into like the producing side. So for those who don't know, I feel like the word producer is kind of thrown out a lot mm-hmm, in totally. like the industry. Like, yeah, executive producer, line producer. Yeah, I guess just in a general term. What would you say a producer's main job is for the people who don't really know? So a producer mainly um, follows a project from beginning to end. Uh, They manage the project in ways that a lot of people forget a project has to be managed. Um, they're, They're commonly around to do all the hiring. They're commonly around to, you know, see everybody's fuck ups <laughs> and, and, and be there to, to mitigate a potential solution. Um, they're there all the way through um, distribution and exhibition sometimes, too. Um, they well, a lot of people misconceive that role. They think that a director is normally the person who's always in charge. Mm-hmm. But commonly, it's a producer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, their, their name always kind of gets left in the dust. And I mean, some people are okay with that. Some people don't want to have their name, you know, in Variety magazine every week because <laughs> they did something. But uh, it's it's all about how to manage people, how to manage projects. Um, it's a lot of logistics, and uh, yeah. 
Cool. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that sounds like a perfect explanation. It's always funny. Like, sorry, when uh, you see a film end and it says directed by, and then the producers come in. It's like they're always like the second, they're the end of the tale or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's like five or six different types of producers too. Right. So a lot of people get lost in what that means. And, and sometimes, to be honest with you, uh, those credits are bullshit. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Like a lot of times, I won't name any names, but a lot of actors, big profile actors will come in and work on a project and, mm -hmm. and just because they are who they are, they'll have into their contract that they're written, they're going to be written in as a executive producer right, or something actually, like I that. I learning about that. Yeah. Man, that was whack. So they yeah. just, basically they're just getting paid just to get their name slapped on something. In a way, yes. Uh, commonly what will happen is they will give some feedback in, in ways that they feel is valuable enough to be a producer listed in the credits. Wow. So unfortunately, that's just kind of how it goes because a lot of people do put in a lot of hard work. Producers work hella hard and people don't recognize that enough. Yeah. Because cool. I mean, the producer basically... It's like the helps, head honcho, yeah, man. He hunt, he's like, I have all the money. Like, mm -hmm. I'm helping fund this whole project. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that sucks. So I feel like when... We were in school. A lot of people obviously wanted to be the director, cinematographer. We talked about this like past episodes where it's like right. the glamorous yeah. kind of positions. Exactly. And then, um, I mean, that was even me at one point, the cinematographer life. But when I kind of took class on producing, that really opened my eyes. So what would you say it takes to be, for someone to try to go that route of the producer, would you say it's as competitive <clears throat> as competitive as the director or like something like a big role or would you say it's more easy to get into but the workload is much more difficult that's actually really accurate right there <laughs> yes yeah it's definitely a lot of work um you know if you've ever worked on a project before you consider um how many people come in and then leave the project finish their their contract term and the producer was there before the producer was there after <laughs> even when the director is kind of done mm -hmm. and off the set he's the producers are still going so the workload is is pretty tremendous to be honest with you um but commonly it's because you're working on a project that you really believe in that you're motivated to tell and it makes that a lot easier but uh it definitely does take a certain type of personality i i personally believe um it's you deal with a lot of people you deal with a lot of stress you you have to be able to to deal with those things and be motivated enough to overcome those potential challenges and a lot of people try and, and uh, fail. I mean, it's, it's hard, but you got to be able to, to roll with the punches and be able to think on your toes. Man, yeah, I mean, just when I approached that thing with you, I mean, I, I, was, I was mostly, I'm trying to, like, in awe of, like, what you do, because I feel like nah, you have that quality. Nah. And, like, just, just me, because that, that was going to get to my next point, where, uh -huh. like, the qualities of a producer, because I know from the classes that I've taken with a lot of different professors that it's kind of like, essentially you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to know everyone, kind of know their department, know what they're yeah. doing, kind of, so you can relate to them and converse in a way that is productive. No, for totally. Like the, the project. So, like, would you agree with that? What kind of qualities kind of come up? Yeah, so I actually think that, and this might speak to another topic as well, but I feel like, for people who want to be producers, the best thing you can do is do everything. Like you, you be a gaffer, like do the shit that nobody wants to do, like roll cables, you know, try directing once. And I've, I've tried, I know I'm not good at it, but it, 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 once you try it yourself, you realize how other people speak to you in that role. Mm -hmm. You realize how 
other things move around you in in different at different speeds um you know how people give you respect sometimes people don't respect you depending on your role but if you try everything you realize what those people want what they need how they should be spoken to how they should be treated and then that makes you the boss you know how everything works that's like words of wisdom right there (laughs) i know so since you guys are you've gone to film school together um and you guys have actually like you know graduated and all that stuff um what do you guys feel about um your opinion on the film school route versus just going straight into the industry and working your way up the ladder well for me i mean from i almost did that actually i've said this before on the podcast and i was very close to like just dropping out Mm -hmm. and going up there and kind of doing my thing but i was convinced otherwise to stick around um Honestly, it's really hard. I think film school can only teach you so much because I've talked to some people in the industry and they say that film school teaches you like 10% of what you need to know to survive yeah. and like actually make That's a living. That's what I've heard too, yeah. So it's really tough to say. Um, I think really you just go to school to gain connections and maybe learn a little bit here and there. But for the most part, you're just trying to learn through experience and gain those, that networking. That's what school is all about, I at least film school, that's what that's all about, Okay, is what I would say. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree with that. I think that uh, people that I hang out with now, people that I associate myself with, everybody I know is from school, and we all have similar interests. And I think that, I mean, even just friends, you know, just friends in general, they're all from, from school. We all, you know, feel the same way about movies and talk shit about movies the same way. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, I feel like it, it just depends on the person. I think that a lot of people have enough motivation motivation within them to pursue that path on their own. Sometimes people need that extra push. And sometimes I, I think that's from failing. And yeah. and a lot of, well, everybody, everybody fails in film school. Mm-hmm. Everybody does at yeah. some point or another. And hopefully you do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. But uh, I think that that goes, that goes a long way. And that kind of leads to my next point is that um, depending, well, regardless of what route you take, I think the the only thing that can really, you know, give you that um, experience is just going out there and doing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of schools give students that opportunity to go out and do stuff on their own. That's how what we're, we were discussing earlier. However, some schools provide better options for that. Without naming any names, I know some schools will give their students twenty five grand to make a project, and oh, yeah. and you know, are we had less than ten. But uh, it forces people to be you know, creative with mm-hmm. that money, with those resources. But sometimes people do have way more options, a more fruitful array of options when it comes to, to producing their own film. So it's a, it's a really tough question to answer. It, it just depends on people's personalities. I know people who've done both and they're successful. So it just depends on your, on your personality, I think. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because um, when I did film school at Saddleback um I had a professor and he basically told us like you know either in this for the long haul or you're just doing this just because it's fun and it's not fun totally like and it in I'm glad that you said that it takes a certain personality because you really need to make sure like you're hardworking and like you're gonna get your hands dirty um you're gonna be working your ass off uh, and the film industry is like the it, it's it's nasty. It yeah, can be nasty. It is, yeah. But and and I think yeah, and I think people think that it's like oh, 
you know, it's Hollywood, like exactly. glamour and like, exactly. I was but about to say they that. don't, they don't know. They don't know what goes into it, how hard everyone works, producers work. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. It's so. about like the most non-glamorous job <laughs> like someone could <laughs> no, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in like many ways it is. Camera, it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, but. <laughs> it's also 45 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sweating and my shoulders hurt. Um, but no, that's, days. that's actually, it reminds me of this thing that happened a while back. Um, again, without naming any names, but I was on a project and we were shooting in the cold this one time. And of course you, you if you want to get practical effects and you want it to look like it's cold, like oh. put these actors in, in the cold, like make it look like it's cold. That's <laughs> and so we were shooting in the cold and this is maybe a few years back um, with um, students and everybody knew what the conditions were going to be like. Everybody knew it was going to be cold. And this one person decided not to pack a jacket dude, and wanted to look good instead. So what the hell? Uh, that person ended up paying the price later because we had like 35 mile an hour winds and oh it was God. cold and everybody was cold. Where were and you guys? Like in the mountains? Or in the desert. In the desert? Okay. Yeah. And so she wanted to call it. She was like, we got to get everybody out of here. It's uncomfortable. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like everybody's fine. Let's get the shots and go. Yeah. Might as well. You're here. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, people. I mean, they just don't know what to expect. Yeah, like the, like the, a kid or like someone like a middle school who watched movies their whole life think like, man, I want to be a part of what takes what it takes to make that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're probably in their mind just thinking holding a camera or like being on set pointing at something cool, like those <laughs> awesome stock photos you see. Right. But no, it's not like that <laughs> at not. all. Like, I mean, not only the production is like grueling, mm-hmm. but the post production process is like so even worse like at times like to go through the coloring process the editing i mean you were just telling me how your editor right now in your current film is like you had to you know let her go because you know shit gets tough it's not that easy it's not easy as people think and i feel like i feel like if they told me or they told some students that like right when they walk through the doors of film school it would make things a lot more easier mm-hmm. i can't agree more i honestly think that people need that rude awakening on day one mm-hmm. and I, I can guarantee you a lot of people would stay and a lot of people would leave but i i don't think that uh this kind of goes back to the last topic a little bit but i don't think that film schools are honest enough with their students yes. i feel like like that just happened i mean maybe some are i only went to one but I don't feel like a lot of them are honest enough with people. They don't, they don't give, and I've had some professors who are very different and are really real with you and will tell you, no, this is, this is not why, you know, people get into this industry. You're in it for the wrong reasons. And I appreciate those professors because honesty is what a lot of students need. A lot of people need to hear that. And granted, there's the people who already know these things going into film school. And those are commonly the ones who will end up dropping out and be fine. But the other ones are the ones that likely need to stay in school. Yeah. 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 Totally agree with that. It's tough, man. Well, I wanted to kind of segue into the next one. We're kind of a similar topic where, you know, in the four years that I've been at Fullerton, I guess when I first got into like shooting and film and video was like high school years. Mm -hmm. And then I took that through college. And just to look back on that and realize how much has changed both technologically, um, how people hire and fire things in the industry how would you say well let's let's talk about how things have changed first of all like as far as watching movies and the accessibility to shoot movies as Mm -hmm. far as technology goes like back in the day like these cameras were like 
fucking crazy expensive. Like yeah. only the select few, almost like the elite could use them. And even further back than that, like the film industry wasn't a thing that people want to get really into. It was like either you're already in it, you know a guy, then you end up building up from there. Like right. So nowadays, it's saturated to the point where people want to be in the film industry. That's fine. But the accessibility of technology kind of creates this weird like parallax where we're kind of stuck in this constantly evolving like video format like or not format but like technology to make things easier but at the same time harder so does that make any sense i feel like i'm rambling on there no no no, that that makes sense how do you feel like it's making it harder like i guess for me it's like the saturation with it it's it's competition yes like i'm all for people who want to join this community it's Mm -hmm. awesome you know but at the same time it does kind of come up as people who can buy this awesome camera and like shoot things super easy but then it makes it harder for the people who are already like not veterans but no more so i feel like it's just oversaturated like crazy mm-hmm. and do you think that affects kind of people in film school or people who drop out and then try to make it that way i definitely think it's motivation for people i think because it's so close to you i mean it's you buy a camera on amazon now and have it yeah. there the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that wasn't a thing back during the celluloid days. So I think, I think that that's um, a reason for people to, to strive to try it at least a lot, a lot more often than in the past. I mean, in the past, the fees for post-production on celluloid is ridiculous. <laughs> so nobody can just try that if they wanted to. You'd have to go to film school for that. But I think that it, it's definitely a, a, a bigger saturation of content and I mean, everybody knows that nowadays. We've got if you got an Apple TV, you've got what thirty-two apps on there from different mm-hmm. channels and different um, different web series and, and contents everywhere. Contents right. on your phones, on your tablets, and on your TV, and in theaters. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's it's everywhere, and anybody can do it. I mean, there's been uh, you know maybe a dozen films shot on iPhone that are you know huge, even nominated for for indie spirits and stuff like that. So uh, anybody can do it. I don't always think that it's the best thing, and and that that's um, that's that's a, that's a big topic. But I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look the same. People who who um, argue with digital cinema versus celluloid, I mean, it's it's an entirely different thing. It's a flat image, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, it's accessible. So there's yeah. pros and cons to it. Totally. Yeah. So then, basically, I think the answer to this question is basically that it gets easier to get into it yeah because it's it's everywhere and not only like there's like obviously the big honchos like universal um god i'm drawing a blank like warner brothers yeah like all those big ones and then now you got like smaller studios that are also connected to like netflix hulu right. that was and my now, next point actually yeah. like all this new like back then it was just like the big studios and movies but yeah. now like like you said there's content literally everywhere mm-hmm. so maybe Maybe it kind of goes hand in hand. I'm, I'm kind of. I feel like I'm bitching about like the saturation of like the increased amount of people getting into the it's industry. It's a bad thing. But at the same time, there's so much more content needs to be created. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were just telling me about your new job and how like they're moving into content creation. Yeah, like just kind of original content, I should yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, nowadays you can. There's there's tons of apps out there you can find on the app store that people have never even heard of, and they have tons of web series that are you know, an entire season and every episode is only 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, that's, that sounds kind of easy. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of opportunities out there, but I think that leads to a decent point though. Um, 
I was just talking to my friends because I went to a premiere the other day for The Farewell. And I don't know if you guys have heard that movie. Um, it's a Lulu Wang-directed movie. It performed super well at Sundance. And, oh, wow. and I'm all about indies. All about them. And uh, the movie was incredible. It was beautiful and all that. And it was distributed by A24. So, like, A24 is, like, like my dream job. I would love to work with them because I'm always passionate They're about all the stories studio. they tell. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they came from, from hardly anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And they still, you know, they're, they're not one of the big six. And they still have... I mean, their, their first um, original production was Moonlight, and it won the Oscar, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're one of my favorite companies, and, and they were recently in the news because um, Lulu Wang was offered a deal with A24 first, and then immediately following that, uh, they didn't name who it was, but a streaming content um, company offered them twice as much mm. twice as much money to distribute it um via their their streaming application Damn. and i'm like holy shit like that has to be such a difficult thing to think about and in the article lulu was talking about her mom and she you spoke to her mom for advice and told her well if you if i took this deal with the streaming company i can buy you a house and her mom said something like well i'm already in a house like, you know, go to the company that will tell your story the right way and, and treat it the way that it should be treated. And I was like, holy shit. Damn, that's like <laughs> that's some deep. hardcore shit. Yeah. 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 Really so she turned down that money for A24 and I'm like, man, like, they, I mean, they know how to promote that stuff. Yeah. Especially yeah. stories mm-hmm. like that that are very culturally aware and stylish in their own way. And I mean, they're, they're all very unique. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that. That's actually touching in a way. But that's how you know they're like a true artist. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, that, I admire her for that. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, Armando, I wanted to kind of touch back on the producing side a little bit because I know you have a lot of experience there. Maybe you can easily kind of generally explain the producing process from like kind of like the pre-production to the production to post-production. Like what is not each step, but kind of like the general way that people do things as a producer so i don't know if there's an easy way <laughs> oh but, there's never an easy way no, <laughs> but but i mean we, we can go through it so i guess the first step would always be to have a story uh have a script so uh, depending on how you approach this project and how you become involved uh, normally you have a script something that is in the works and you're trying to find some funding for it and sometimes directors will fund their own projects uh, if they're passionate about it enough, uh, other times you need to go and apply for grants. If you're looking at a documentary or, or something along those lines, how often is it that the producer has his own idea to produce, like his own script, to produce his own idea, or is it kind of always kind of like outsourced from like another, like say, director who has a dream project? So it's rare, but it happens. So there's there's a lot of people out there who, you know, are literally a jack of all trades, like. Tarantino Mm -hmm. and he does everything on his own Um, he may not do as much producing anymore but maybe earlier on in his days when it was you know Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs I'm sure he did quite a bit of that stuff on his own too because he's you know dominant and he has a vision that he wants to tell and holy shit sorry sorry (laughs) it's all good destroyed the mic stand there (laughs) okay Tarantino he's a uh, jack of all trades and he has a, a vision that he wants to tell a vision that he wants to, to showcase rather and 
I mean, yeah. So somebody like that is going to want to dip into every every single role. I mean, uh, he's even been known to hop on camera for you know certain things. Yeah. So, um, so I guess if you do outsource a project as a producer, you really have to love that project. I assume, like, unless is it? Do most producers, I guess, coming up have that option to pick and choose their projects, whether it be a documentary? or a short film or feature film, I guess you really have to be, do you have to love it in order to like make it happen? <laughs> I feel like that's such a hard question because... No, it is. Uh, shit. So I guess the answer is yes, but a lot of people don't. They don't have the luxury? They, they don't have the luxury and you know the harsh reality of it is they shouldn't. I think that a lot of people, when they approach these projects as a novice, it's just always best to take projects. I mean, whether you're you're passionate about them or not, like, don't tell directors that. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, you should take them. Experience is experience, man. Whether it's shit or, you know, it's, it's really good, it's still experience. You're always learning something. And I feel like just taking a project, following through with it, seeing it until it's done, mm-hmm. whether it's good or it sucks, you still learn something. Always. And even if it's just working with other people who might know a little bit more than you, I mean, there's always something to gain from that. And I feel once you are on a project and you feel you might not have as much more to contribute to it, and if you feel that you're being approached by others and you feel like you might not to be conceited in this area, but you know, if you feel like other people are approaching you for advice... Um, that's when it's kind of like, okay, maybe I should start picking and choosing my, my projects a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and the motivation definitely goes a long way. And that helps a lot that mm-hmm. those are for your, your dark days when <laughs> your, your actors don't show up on time. Everything's automatically <laughs> behind by two hours. Oh, um, something happened to the food oh, and man. you don't have food on time and everything goes to shit. Those are the days that it, it's like, no, it'll all be worth it. Nice. That's well said. That's really well said. Yeah. So I know where um, you've mentioned like different types of, well, I mentioned different types of projects that you can produce. I know we're still touching on like the pre-production to post-production side, but I yeah. do want to quickly ask, uh, when producing like say a documentary, how, how much knowledge from like, say you produce mainly features, how much does that transfer over to like documentaries? Is it, is it similar? I assume the production is the same thing. I mean, I kind of have some background on it, but I want to hear your, your thoughts. I would say that they're nothing alike, personally. Yeah. I think your pre-production is always going to be up in the air. I think that um, depending on what your topic is, your topic has a lot to do with it, but depending on the topic, I think that it, it, there's, there's a range of variables and I was going to hop into one and it was about the homelessness crisis we're having in LA and Orange County. And I mean, there's a lot of variables there. You're you're at the mercy of your subjects, essentially, uh, on every project. But on this project specifically, you it, it's I mean, location, weather. These are these are different things you're trying to plan for. When you sometimes will have a um, completely controlled environment when you're shooting a narrative, and it's it's going to be harsher. It's going to be longer. And it's just going to be dragged out a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, the, those topics might be um, really close to you. And, and, and that passion will literally take you through 
all the way to the end because you feel passionate of passionate enough about that project that you feel everybody needs to see it. So cool. Nice. Nice. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I guess going back to the, let's move back to like the pre-production kind of like sure. general lecture of how this kind of goes down as a producer. So I know from experience that pre-production huge thing is getting those freaking permits down. So yeah, as like the producer, like how, I mean, I already kind of know this, but I'm going to ask, how important is it to get those permits down, to get everything cleared for people? And what are the consequences if that doesn't happen? Well, the good thing is that you wouldn't get arrested. Your AD would get arrested. <laughs> right. I remember that. I definitely remember that. Uh, so definitely consequences, though. I mean, a lot of people like to shoot guerrilla style, and I will be supportive of that in certain conditions. But many times it's it's anxiety inducing to me if you don't because if you're out in public and you've got a lot of people sometimes people see a camera they get excited they you know try to start some shit so that kind of stuff makes me really nervous uh about making our day so it it kind of depends i mean if you're out in the desert and you're not going to bother anybody maybe i would say okay you don't need it but sometimes if you're shooting in public places or in 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 conditions where uh, other people can delay your project, can cause harm to your project, harm to your crew, anything like that, I feel it's 100% necessary. And sometimes they're easy to get, sometimes they're free, sometimes they're expensive. Right, I wanted and, to touch on that, like yeah. the expenses of the location permits and stuff yeah. like that. It, it really adds up, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's one thing that producers do. Uh, in addition to everything else, they manage the budget sometimes. And... It's it's all about knowing what things cost. And again, experience. If you have a producer who's never worked at all in the grip department, then you know they may not know what certain things cost. And sure, you can do that research, but you know how much faster and effective are you going to be if you know that stuff off the top of your head? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So I, I feel like expenses definitely add up really, really quickly. And on my last project, we got really lucky and we were able to pull a lot of stuff off at you know really low rates um we got the homie hookup for a lot of our stuff and then our location was amazing and we paid such a good price for it but the owners were awesome and uh you know you go in you be nice and sometimes they'll do you a favor nice nice and um speaking of like the homie hookup i i follow a lot of like different movie pages film pages and there's always that ongoing joke about how like you know we're for exposure and i feel like is that to blame on the producer most time? I feel like they get a bad rap. Like they kind of have to be the bad guys sometimes. Absolutely. And so how many times do you think, well, first off, I don't think it's appropriate. Anyone should work for exposure. I mean, I feel it's sometimes it's necessary if you're like really trying to put your foot in the door, but most times I feel like a compensation is necessary when asking someone to literally devote their like hours on hours of time with you. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that as far as like producers having asked that? Is it necessary for them? Because maybe from the other side is different. Maybe I'm just being an asshole and no, not no. knowing about the other one. You're not an asshole at all. I think, I think it depends on the project and it depends on, on your level of involvement. I think if you're going to be a lead producer on there, then sure, it'd be nice to have something. And I've been asked a lot if I want to do something and work for free. And sometimes I think that's okay if that if the project is is cool and you feel like it can go somewhere, sure. Um, but I would you know take it with a grain of salt and just remember 
what you're going to be devoting to that and what you're signing up for. Because, I mean, nothing's worse than a flake. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of people do that still, and that's totally fine. But I also think it's if you if you feel like know your worth, you know, and if you if you think that you're worth something, then I think it's totally valid to ask for that. Sorry, taking a drink of water. <laughs> I like that answer. That's I, I can I can agree with that. That's cool. Um, before we move back to um, moving on to the producer's role on the production and. I wanted to touch one more thing on pre-production, which is uh, the budgeting. So I know the producer's role is to be like really hard-hitting with the budgeting. I remember learning that and when I took producing class. So when it comes to budgeting, where do those funds come from most of the time? Like People think producers got all the money, right? But where does that money actually come from beforehand? Is it? I know for documentary production, it's a lot of grants that come in right. um, for feature production like where does it actually come from is it the studio like that provides it or what do you i don't know so it, me. It, it depends on the project of course um grants grants can actually go for uh, narratives as well it's really common amongst grants because of their um non-profit nature that they commonly are associated with but with narratives, I mean, I've seen a lot of grants that still go for narratives too. And I mean, like that's that's a huge thing. Like that's free money out there. <laughs> but uh, it, it depends. If you're working on a big budget, big budget project, it's commonly coming from studios, and that's just money that they're cycling through films, earning on you know their return on investment after theaters and and VOD and all that, and then they funnel it back into more projects. Um, if it's a smaller film, sometimes they are independently funded by filmmakers uh they can also be funded by uh, investors and sponsors stuff mm -hmm. like that um it varies yeah and i would say like for those um like the independent funds as well like kickstarter and like oh, I've seen oh yeah i didn't even touch on that yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i also want to okay so now i'm gonna kind of segue into like the production so mm -hmm. what exactly does a producer do on set <laughs> So it's kind of a tough question, and I think that every producer is going to give you a different answer. I think, uh, personally, from my own experience, I've found that to create the best type of symbiotic relationship with a crew and director is to commonly take a step back. You know, it's not it's not a it, it's not a rare thing for your um, team to give you a video village for yourself <laughs> so you can be away from everybody else and uh, that way you're just not breathing down the neck of, of your crew mm -hmm. and sometimes that's the best thing to do um, you know you can speak freely on on the topics with your other producers you you uh, let them do their own thing you give them their own space and I've found that that's commonly the best way to collaborate with other people especially when it comes to creative things and to you know uh, let them work in their own headspace yeah I totally, I'm so, that's a perfect answer because I've had a couple student, this is just student film sets, by the way. I've had a couple ones where the producer just keeps stepping in and then they don't let the director or the DP kind of work. And it's just, yeah, it gets really annoying. So I'm, that's a perfect answer. Yeah. I mean, I think that you, you hop on a project that you, I mean, eventually I feel like if, if, if producer is doing that, I mean, first of all, they're doing something wrong. Yeah. But I also think that you hired the wrong team. And producers also hire crew. And I mean, if you hire somebody um, for, I don't know, a scripty, 
I mean, you're going to yeah. talk to them first. You're going to know what they do. You're <laughs> going to know that, that, they're, that you can trust them. That's why you picked them. I mean, don't hire people that you can't trust. And ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to is people just lose trust in them and they're, they become overly controlling. And uh, I mean, that just hurts. That just hurts, hurts the crew, hurts, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's, I think it comes down to an ego thing, to be yeah. honest with you. Mm. I, yeah, I've had a couple people. <laughs> like, um, just, like, I guess it goes back, like, say a producer's like, say a producer's like super passionate about a project. They want it to be like a certain way, a certain, I guess that's where that comes in, like that control. But I think there's a way to say it too. Like yeah, yeah. To no, there's definitely it. better ways yeah. to come from it. Not, yeah. yeah. Um, Don't come off like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes, um, I guess on bigger sets, the producer has the decision not even to be on the set, right? Like they, yeah, they I mean, kind of just do their own thing off, off wherever. Yeah, they they can do their own thing and not even be there. And if you did your job appropriately, well, then that producer might feel comfortable not being around. Yeah. And I mean, I could never do that personally. I feel like I always should be around, and every producer should always be around. But I mean, to each his own. If they're doing that and they feel like everything's fine. You know that's that's cool, but I I like to always be around to help mitigate potential um, solutions for issues that come up, and because I feel like I've done a little bit of everything, I feel like I can help on those things. Awesome. So I won't nice. breathe down the neck of other people, but I'll, I'll give them their space. But I like to be around. Cool, nice. No, Amanda's um, Amanda's like the perfect producer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Just he's anybody the one. out there? Yeah, he's the one, <laughs> the chosen one. <laughs> Um, you're saying like mitigating things on set is kind of yeah. like something that every producer should kind of have a talent to do. So when it gets to a point where like you can't mitigate it any further, whether someone you hired or somehow your other producer brought in someone else, like when it gets to a point where you have to like let them go, is that a common thing that's done on set? And if that's the case and how do you replace, how does that even happen? So again, I think every producer is going to give you their own their own rundown on that. But <clears throat> personally, I feel like uh, depending on that person's role, if well, okay, well let me give you an example. So I was on a project a while back, and we had a uh, scripty who was not doing their job. And I mean, you know what a scripty does. You know how important it is to have one. Uh, those notes are are vital to an editor. And if an editor doesn't have scripty notes, he's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's going to lose his shit. So uh, we had one that wasn't really doing her job. And I mean, like, it's a friend of mine, but also like it's, it's, it's my job to help facilitate uh, the best product possible. And, uh, you know, you got to talk to that person be gentle with them and let them know, hey, like, I think we might, you know, need to bring somebody else in here. And I'm not sure that you're giving us, you know, the product that we need. So how about we swap roles? And um, I think I swapped a PA with her, put the PA in there, gave them a five minute rundown of what they're supposed to do. They they did amazing. Did, Did awesome. And she ended up being a PA. And I mean, you have to go about that conversation respectfully and talk to them the right way. But, I mean, sometimes that stuff has to happen, and uh, you have a better product for it, I believe. Man, talk about, like, like that's, like the, that's like the perfect scenario. Yeah. Just, like, dude, you handle that like a freaking G. Yeah, <laughs> just got to get shit done. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> but in right. way. <laughs> I, I never thought about that, how, like, sometimes when you hire people, you make that kind of friendship relationship with them. Yeah. And to have that conversation must be tough. But it seems like, as a producer, that must 
that it's a talent it's a skill you must have yeah and nothing makes it any easier ever it will always be hard and those people i mean when you start an independent project you're doing everything together you guys are basically family yeah and i mean like when we worked together we, we saw each other like all the time so it's just about um and you were amazing of course but uh work sometimes working with certain people all the time isn't always the easiest especially if you don't get to choose them so it's all about how how you talk to people and how you manage that conflict i think right yeah, cool um did you want to move on to the post i mean yeah posts or did you have anything else you want to say about the production side of producing um i don't think so let's move to post all right let's okay. move to post so i guess when that post process comes like what's the first thing like it's all good everything's shot dit has it on the freaking hard drive what what's the next step I mean, that's given that the DIT has definitely done its job. Oh, yeah, know? that, dude. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm sure we've all had that issue before where your DIT dumps a card and that card is either empty or something and you find out later that there's stuff that hasn't been named or you dump the same card twice. Yeah, that's um, the worst. Yeah, a lot of that stuff happens. And I feel like that, that part of post starts immediately. So uh, that's number one making sure your assets are together mm -hmm. and protected and backed up. Backed <laughs> up is so huge and people, uh, I can't believe people forget that, but I mean, accidents happen. Yeah. So I've found that having copies of all of the work is always number one. So I have, I personally have like a uh, Pelican case with a bunch of drives in there and I'm always like, I, like I, I, don't count that as part of the budget. I just always give it to my my editors and I say, hey, just make sure you back all this shit up. Like, <laughs> don't forget. I'm gonna check it after. Like, just back all all this stuff up, please. Nice. And um, and then you have you know a uh, second or third um, copy of whatever it is, and I've I've got like a dozen drives in there. So I just always make sure there's plenty of copies. And then it's just easier when you start working with other people. You can get all that stuff over to your composer right away, uh, get that stuff over to uh, a colorist, an editor at the same time, or, or whatever. But, uh, I mean, once post comes around, that's when, you know, it, it, things, things change um, considerably. You're not working on something 24-7. You're more... Um, managing the project while it's in other people's hands mm. and making sure things get done on time and for me the most difficult part of that has been um managing deadlines and making sure that people follow up with those deadlines that's just that's huge for me and um of course at my level i'm still hiring friends people that I know. So it's kind of like, Hey, like I know you've got a girlfriend and like <laughs> and a job and like, it's the weekend and you know, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, like, is, is, is it done yet? <laughs> is, uh, it's, uh, it's two days past your deadline, you know, and stuff like that. I find that pretty difficult, but, um, we're getting there. Cool. Nice. 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 So I guess during the post process, it's, um, really, like you said, out of mostly out of your hands you're just right. kind of like monitoring things here and there and then i guess there's actually after the post process is the distribution and how mm -hmm. much of a role does the producer have in that as far as like making those deals is that directly with the producer or with someone else it can be again i think just because we're in an uh in an environment right now in our industry where there's just lots of different um 
ways to digest this media. I mean, it can be there can be a deal made directly with the director or with the producer or a director who is also a producer. Um, I mean, there you could have representation. There's a lot of different things that can happen. Um, commonly, I feel like it is partially with the producer, but it de- de- depends on the um, on the caliber of the project and how big it is. Right. Um, speaking of like caliber of the project, like I know a lot of students try to make their name somewhere by creating a like a short film they're really passionate about and trying to run it through the festivals. Mm-hmm. And as far as distribution, I guess that's where they try to get their, what's the word I'm looking for, their uh, spotlight, mm-hmm. something like that. So would you say, is that route still um, available or is it still even viable for upcoming producers or even like producers who like just want to get something out there? Is it like a thing you can still do? I think it is. I think that it's it's a route that a lot of people take. Um, but I would say that, you know, I would issue caution to those people. Um, you know, the the rule of thumb is you're you're only as good as your first festival that you go to. And a lot of people will go to their their local community, lowest level type of film festival and of course they throw those accolades on the poster and they yeah. you know, they, they flaunt it, but it's also like yeah, it's just Newport. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I've not seen that. You have to start with <laughs> so the biggest times. one first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Number one choice. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you come off great, if you come off as as a badass at you know uh, Santa Barbara, I mean, which is a mid level, um, I mean, more mid level um, festivals are are probably going to be looking at you. So I, I feel like a lot of people set their their sights on just getting it into a festival rather than choosing a festival carefully. And I mean, there's a lot of different types of film festivals as well. There's a lot of genre film festivals. I mean, a lot of people try to get into horror because horror is easy to produce. And you have to remember that there's, I mean, hundreds of horror film festivals all over the world. And uh, one of my favorite ones is the Overlook film festival and that one started i gotta talk about this thing because I, I love it yeah, Go for yeah. it. <laughs> um it's uh any any horror fan out there needs to at least look it up because i mean this place is there to take your money because they um they the first one that they did was in the overlook hotel from the shining and they screened horror movies in that a hotel i feel That's like it was sick. in like canada or something like that Dude. but i'm like what horror fan doesn't want to go and do that know, that's, that's sick. sick yeah it's a landmark <laughs> yeah and then i mean there's potential there to screen your horror film that you just produced so i mean there's there's a lot of avenues out there and i feel that there's there's even more and that used to be the only route that you can take but nowadays i mean you can throw your shit on youtube you can go to vimeo there's a lot of places that you can go and then just share it but I feel like the film festival is still a, definitely a viable route. Okay. Okay. Cool. Nice. I, I'm going to check that one out that I just mentioned because that sounds super it's freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. So, like you just mentioned, I've, um, how there's nowadays, well, back then the film festival route was like the route that you take if you want to get yourself shown somewhere. Independently, yes. Yeah. Um, with YouTube and Vimeo and all that stuff, I guess what I'm trying to say is, would you. When you make a project, it's done, it's finished. You have a copy that you freaking love and you want to share it with the world. Is it something that you should just post right away? Is it you think it would get lost like that? I feel like yes. it would just get dissolved like within all the other crap that's being posted in like seconds. Right. Yeah. No, I actually a lot of uh, film festivals have a rule against that. 
where you're not allowed to have your film premiered anywhere publicly. So I don't know if I can name any, but let's just say like South by Southwest. Uh, they It's possible that they have this rule that uh, your film has to premiere there in order to be screened there. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people don't think about that. And if you're the guy who sent your film to um, to YouTube because you were so excited to get it seen by people, you couldn't wait. I mean, that's kind of a mistake. And um, that is that is something that I th- I feel like a director would do. And part of our job is to kind of be there and be like, you know, like rub the back of his head and be like, it's okay, <laughs> it's gonna get seen by people but also calm the fuck down. <laughs> There's a right way to do this. And um, I would never actually do that, though, by the way. Um, I, I think a lot of people just get really excited when, they, when they're able to see that final product that came from nothing, and they just want to get it out. Like, I, I understand that, but it's, you, people have to be very careful about how they put it out there nowadays. Yeah, damn. That's, a, that's pretty good words of advice there, because I feel like a lot of... Like student filmmakers, where they just want to get out as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. But um, let's say you do do it right. You know, you go, you get it to a medium film festival. It shows. It's awesome. Where do you go from there? Like, you just hope that like distributors come out to you, like Netflix, like just reaches out to you, or just any other either streaming or studio like wants to make it like a bigger thing. Is that? Wait, I know the like the chances are low. I mean, yeah. all this, even getting into a festival, your chances are fucking like yeah. less than 10%, less than that. So let's say you do make it into the festival. It shows what happens after that. What do you do? As a producer, is it just over? Is it like, I don't know. Where do you go? Well, I think, I think there's a lot of different variables as well. Number one, are you working on a short? Are you working on a feature? And how is it performing? I think if it's performing really, really well and you feel like it has legs, I mean, keep on pushing. And a lot of those film festivals will continue to accept projects that were made, I feel like, a year in the past. So you have an entire year after your first one that you can start sending them to places. So that, I mean, that's, that's a, a year is a long time. So you've got that year down and uh, there, there is that extremely rare situation where somebody important sees it and they feel like it can, you know, turn a buck around, uh, into a hundred dollar bill. And, you know, that's the case for, for some people that I know. And, uh, they made a horror short. They, uh, I think it was James Wan who saw the film. They turned it into a big budget feature. Um, or actually not a huge budget. It was like less than $10 million, but, uh, turned it into, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it is a lot of money. It is a lot of money and it's the opportunity of a lifetime, yeah. but I mean, yeah. considering what movies go for oh, yeah. nowadays, it's, it's not considered a big budget, but, um, I mean, anyway, the, the film got produced and distributed by Warner brothers. And I mean, that's huge. It's a huge deal, but that hardly ever happens. And it's everybody's goal and aspiration, I think, but it, it hardly ever happens. So I, I think that shorts are commonly, um, around to showcase your talent and ultimately the way to make a buck off of it is if you do a narrative a feature Hmm. and i know somebody personally who just directed a uh, film about football and uh, i don't know a whole lot about how it was funded or anything like that Mm -hmm. but he's a great guy 
and um, I hop into my Fandango app to go buy my Spider-Man ticket yesterday, and it pops up on the like what's out right now page on Fandango. Oh, I was like, sick. holy shit! Damn. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to Rob because that's like a it's a huge accomplishment to have totally. your film show show there. And uh, yeah, I got picked up by a distribution company, and they're helping them out in every way possible. So that's kind of that's kind of the dream. That's yeah, really cool. Damn. <laughs> okay, so. Just wrapping things up, um, what tips do you have for aspiring producers and just student filmmakers in general that you've come across and you want to like convey to everybody that are listening or watching? So I think the number one thing is don't be afraid, afraid to just try stuff. Like try everything and anything, um, even if it sounds scary to you. And I think that uh, the, the second piece of advice also coincides with that, and that is do your research. I think that I've I've met a lot of people who come into a role and they think they know what to do and you know they're they're all show and they come in and they uh they got a bandana around their head and they look like they know what they're doing when they come in for, as a gaffer and uh <laughs> it's like no do you actually know what you're supposed to do <laughs> and do you actually know who you're supposed to report to and I mean it's so easy just do your research just google it if you really don't know anything just google it like do your research and that's that's a huge thing. I really feel like enough, not enough people do that. And um, yeah, and I feel like that coincides with you know, just try everything. That's nothing can take that experience away from you, mm-hmm. and you only have things to gain by trying things. So yeah, I think those are, that's 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 it. And then like one little fun question: like, what do you love about producing? Like, what's one thing that you could? think about or sorry let me rephrase that he just hates everything he just hates everything (laughs) 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 what is one okay sorry um what is one thing that you love about producing and like that makes you drive and keep makes you keep doing it every time i think that producers are uh the gatekeepers to other people's success and i feel like you are the one hiring people you can determine how diverse your crew is you can, you know, determine how high your director can aim for when you, you know, bring people on for that budget. You have the opportunity to um, take that director's vision that he has in his head, mm-hmm. put it on a screen and let other people into that director's head and see what happens. And it may not be through, you know, the, the prettiest way. <laughs> um, it may not be through the easiest way, but... I mean, you get it done, and you have a lot to show for it. All right. I love that answer. That's like well said, definitely. (laughs) Some meaningful shit right there. All right, so um, to move on, to close off off of that a little more, I want to talk about some recent movies we're looking forward to. And uh, to start it off, I just saw like Toy Story 4. And Curtis, before we recorded, we talked about a little bit. We both saw it recently. Mm -hmm. Um, It's great. I mean, Pixar, hard to go wrong with that you know right their animation style is insane i because before i watched toaster 4 i binge watched one two and three mm-hmm. and going back to watching one i still enjoy it just as much as i did back yeah. more now it holds because up i see different <laughs> jokes in there that i didn't get before but um my only gripe with the film i'm not gonna try to spoil anything too much is that i don't think it was truly necessary um we, we touched on this yeah. curtis because we feel toy story 3 kind of yeah, I just that, I think Toy Story three would have been fine. I don't think you need to really. It's like more of like a epilogue. I would say. Yeah, it wrapped it up. Toy yeah. Story three wrapped it up perfectly. 
But you know what? I was surprised at how they wrapped up Toy Story 4 without yeah. trying to spoil anything. So I think when you see it, yeah. you'll like it. it That's great. awesome. Dude, but the animation, holy shit. Dude, I heard you know, it's like dude, amazing. Immaculate. Oh my God. Wow. It was like the, the attention to detail and just everything that Pixar has gone into. Like, I think they've built up to this moment. It was yeah. just amazing. So oh, yeah, I really um, liked it. What are the movies you're looking forward to? Oh, we God. Got I feel like we um, have a lot. Yeah. I, I can't wait for Lion King. Dude. I, I'm super yeah. stoked for Lion King, and uh, I I can't wait to see it on like the biggest screen possible with the best sound because I'm like I mean come on like Donald Glover mm-hmm. and Beyonce as yeah. Nala come on like just that right there amazing yeah amazing yeah and I have to be honest I was really against a lot of the um, live action in quotation marks yeah, I actually uh, haven't seen a lot of them I, I am Book? excited. I, no, I saw Jungle Book, but like okay, the other ones, good. like Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella. I didn't actually watch. I didn't those see those either. Because I wasn't Aladdin interested. Then? No, I have no oh, interest okay. in seeing Aladdin. To be honest. Yeah, I don't. Don't waste your money. Like if you want to watch it on a on a whim, like if Netflix brings it on, just watch it then. But right. But I am excited for Lion King. Yeah, I'm super stoked for Lion King, and I'm also really excited because I'm just I love horror movies. Midsummer is yes, coming out, dude. I cannot wait for that. I mean, when I saw Hereditary, like. That movie yeah. fucked me up so hard. I've yes. said it before. Holy crap. That yes. was like another level of horror that I've never experienced in my life. Yes. So I'm the like... The anxiety. Yeah. Yes. It was insane. So to go in with Midsummer and have that kind of same expectation now, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to like surprise me. You know... I have not seen Hereditary because oh I'm a pussy. I know, I know, I know. Oh I am a pussy. I've seen clips of it and, I, and it looks yeah. beautiful. Like, like I oh, think it's the amazing. way, yeah. yeah. I, I love like so. I, I like you know the way things are shot and like the cinematography looks great in that movie. And I, I did see the trailer for Midsummer. It looks cool. I actually, I might see it. I might. I'll, I'll consider you should it. Watch it. Yeah. I heard if, it's if not you're as scary. Go see, it's not scary. Yeah. I heard it it's not it as doesn't scary. Doesn't look that. Like, yeah. I don't I, know. I think it's more of like it's the not like the scare factor. It's more like. Like you said, the anxiety factor mm-hmm. of like what he kind of brings to the table. That's what he's like specialized in. Yeah, I mean, Hereditary was his first feature, and he knocked it out Dude, of the park. He killed it, killed it. I loved it so much, um, and I mean, the horror community loved mm-hmm. it. That's like the biggest thing. Yeah, everyone's raving about it. <laughs> yeah, everybody loved yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's hard to watch. Hard yeah, to watch. It's totally hard. The whole time, I was just like tense. Yeah. Because it's not, I feel like it's the, it's an adult type of horror film where, you know, if you're an adult, if you have siblings. Yeah, it's you know, very real. It's like, very real. It hits yeah. you like hard. Yeah. This is not a, um, you know, an Annabelle type of scary yeah, movie. No, this is fucking real. Um, so that's why I'm excited for Midsummer because the critics are saying it's just as good. Yeah. So cool. I'm stoked. Same. Um, um, anything one else day I'll work up the courage. <laughs> just one day, just, just watch together in a while. <laughs> and then the I think the last thing that I'm like super excited for is also my boy Quentin Tarantino. Once oh, upon a yes. time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'm like the Tarantino. biggest Tarantino fan, so I cannot wait for that movie. Same. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I saw one trailer for it, and I was already interested. And I think they just released a new trailer like super recently, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like a few days ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch that one yet, so I'm. I already know that like it's gonna be good, and I'm gonna watch it. But um, maybe you can enlighten me of how like what do you think he's gonna bring to this as far as like his was it ninth film? Yeah, yeah, it is the ninth film. So I actually I saw that trailer, and I wish that I didn't because really? I feel like there was one specific thing that I saw that I, I 
I, I just wish that they would not have put in the trailer. And I mean, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but I also like to be really surprised. So I think the, the first trailer was, was beautiful, mm-hmm. of course. And I feel like this is going to be, um, I mean, this is probably a script he's had in his closet for so long that he's been working on for so long and he's working with actors that he loves. And, uh, I mean, it's a, it's something that he's passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's a Hollywood story and it has to do with the film industry. Yeah. So it's always interesting to see how different filmmakers shoot a movie about the film industry, mm-hmm. but also it's about, you know, the real things that happened back in the day. And even though no details are confirmed because no, nothing came out of can. Yeah. But I mean, obviously a, Charles Manson is going to be a huge part of that movie. So, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, cause yeah, I read into it. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I don't want to say anything. Okay. Yeah. It's just going to give away too much. I'm not but gonna... I, I read into like the the plot and the synopsis of it. Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be, oh man, it's exciting. Oh, I can't wait. Dude, I'm well, stoked. I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I probably won't watch that trailer though. Now that you yeah, say that. Yeah, just, just, yeah. It's going to, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say, I mean, I do want to say what it is, but then I don't just because I don't want to confirm my suspicions that I have. Okay. Um, are you guys excited for Spider-Man? Just one more. Yes. Yeah, I am. Okay. Yes. I yeah. mean, honestly, I thought um, Homecoming was like one of the best Spider-Man movies, and people can hate me for that. You know, Tobey Toby Maguire did great, but that's more like a childhood thing. We're talking about real, like, comic like, books, cinema. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was really so I'm just trying to see what they do with this, and then also, um, obviously, with the effects of Endgame. Yeah. Kind of moving towards that, the aftermath. I think yeah. it's a good seg- segue. I, I kept hearing people saying that the post credit scenes, like, there's two. So there's one, like, I think, like, a, there's, like, a mid. They said the mid, like, mm-hmm. where it's, like, in the oh, beginning. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like the beginning. And then there's, like, one after the credit. Yeah, right, right. So they're supposed to be, like, the best, so, so to speak. So we'll see. The yeah. best. Yeah, the best. That's what wow. people... I, I keep seeing that better. on, like, filmmakers, like, wow. like, Instagram. So I'm just like, okay. Like, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'm stoked to see it. Yeah. I actually, I didn't care. I'm not a huge Marvel fan. Okay. So I didn't care for a lot of the films that led up to it. I mean, I loved Iron Man and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like Infinity War was just a huge game changer. Yeah. That was, yeah. I, that was the first Avengers movie that I saw and I fell in love oh, really? with it. Yeah. Nice. I just think the Russo brothers killed it. And I then know. of course, Endgame killed it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm stoked to see where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. Um, that pretty much wraps I it up. I think that right? wraps it up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Armando. Thanks, guys, for, for having on. me. Yeah, man. Seriously, this has been awesome. Yeah. You have enlightened me a lot about producing. I know I wasn't talking much, but I was just like, well, same here. The dynamic I'm... between you guys, so I just don't want to give it to you. But if people want to follow you or just kind of catch up to what you're doing, how can they follow you exactly? Or just see what you're up to? Sure. Uh, I mean, you can add me on Instagram. Uh, I think my handle is uh, Mondo, M A N D O 4881. Um, yeah, yeah. Follow okay. me on Instagram. Cool. All right, and you can follow me and Son. Um, I'm at Curtis P. Curtis with a K, K U R T S P A K. And you can follow Son Tran at Capri Sun, C A P R I S A N H. And of course, you can follow our podcast, which is the one you're listening to right now, and visually on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. We're basically everywhere at the VHS Podcast. You can follow us mainly on Instagram. And thank you again, Armando, for coming on, bro. You're awesome. Thanks, guys. You're awesome, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Peace.